Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's been a real relaxing morning uh, in a good way. I think sometimes our weeks are crazy, and we got a lot going on. It's stressful. It's nice to come to church and just kind of sit and be in God's presence and, and just relax a little bit, right? Amen? Amen? Well, uh, I'm not a really uh, relaxing kind of guy, though, when you're listening to me. Uh, I'm, I'm loud. Uh, I move around a lot and stuff like that. So uh, hopefully, um, you know, also keep, keep you awake. Yeah, I heard, so how many of you guys know Mick Jagger had uh, surgery uh, this last uh, week? So they estimated that Mick Jagger in one concert walks 12 miles. Have you seen Mick Jagger perform? The guy moves constantly. So they said, so anyway, Sheila was saying that I might move about 12, I, don't, I doubt I Mick Jagger move, you know. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen all, for the entire time. No, no, one time, you got it once, that's it, that's it, Elvis later maybe, I'll do Elvis later. So I've been doing a series though called uh, Walking with Jesus and it kind of sprung from the idea that, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I kind of felt like God was, was distant, I believed in God, um, I always kind of had a faith, but um, I kind of felt like I was doing my thing and God was doing his thing and, and, and our, our paths didn't really cross you know, maybe on Sundays, you know, we got a little close or something like that. But, but this idea of, of walking, you know, with Jesus, walking with God every single day was, was very far from my mind. But as I, as I read scripture and as I, as I reflect back on, you know, all the stories in the Bible and things like that, the whole, the whole reason that Jesus came to this earth was because he didn't want you to have that perception that he was just some God up in the heavens floating on a cloud and that you were insignificant and he only, you know, was taking care of the big things, you know, in life and that, you know, you were just kind of left to yourself. Jesus came to this earth because he wanted to interact with his creation. He wanted to show you that he was, he was tangible, that he was a God that you could talk to, that you could communicate with and if you were even as as blessed and, and as fortunate to be one of his disciples, you, you got to walk with him, right? You got to, you know, wherever he went, they went with him. And, and to experience all that, you know, Jesus did. And, and, and even though they, you know, they were human and they messed up at times, you know, Jesus was so patient with them and he never ridiculed them and he never told them they weren't good enough to hang out with him or, or anything like that. And I just really felt like it was important, especially in our, our culture today, to understand that, that God wants a personal, daily relationship with you. That it's not about coming to church on Sundays. You know, it's not about, you know, checking off the box that says that, I, you know, I, I did my religious service. You know, that's not what Christianity is all about. Christianity should be this idea of following constantly after Christ, of, of constantly seeking him. And even this idea, this picture, and that's kind of what I'm hoping to paint, is this picture in your head of literally when the, from the moment you wake up to the moment you set your, your head down at night that you are walking with Jesus, that you bring him into every situation in your life. And we've been looking through all these stories and and, and, you know, trying to glean from his life 
on earth um, and, and what that still means for us today. The, the, the topic today is that, that God, you know, provides, that, that Jesus still provides as we walk with Jesus, that he's not going to, you know, uh, leave you hungry, right? He's not going to leave you wanting. He's not going to leave you that, that if you are, are, you know, just like the disciples, willing to give up all, you know, in search of him, that you're not going to go without, I don't know where we get into our mind that, well, you know what, I have to give up all this stuff to be a Christian or to follow Jesus. Yeah, you may need to give up things that are useless to you or, or things that only weigh you down or that become baggage to you, but God is always going to take care of you. He's always going to provide, you know, our needs, not our wants, but our needs, it, it made me uh, remember a story, uh, of a personal story of, of ours, Sheila's and mine. When we were, when we were very, very, uh, you know, Sheila got pregnant with Bella, you know, which was now uh, going on, wow, 15 years, you know, 14 years ago, but 15, you know, years even since she was pregnant. I can't believe it. Um, I'm, you know, Sheila and I are only 20, 20 years old, so I don't know how uh, that all happened. Yeah, but, but, but uh, we, you know, we were uh, young, we were in our 20s, uh, we knew nothing, you know, the world was our oyster, and we were pregnant, and we were on top of the world. So, at the time, I, I didn't have insurance, but Sheila had insurance through her job through Marie Callender, speaking of Marie Callender's. Sheila had uh, her insurance through Marie Callender, so we thought we were set right? We just knew we had insurance and we felt like that was good. Uh, we never, ever looked into what her ins- insurance covered. So we, we, we go to the hospital like you're supposed to do and we give birth to Bella um, and um, we're so excited and everything goes great uh, and it's pretty typical and uh, we go home. We take, you know, after a, a couple days of being in the hospital, they send us home and here we are, you know, new parents, and oh my gosh, this is great. Well, a couple, maybe months later, uh, reality comes in the mail in the form of a $76,000 hospital bill. <laughs> we received this, and we, to be honest with you, we thought it was a joke. Because we thought, we have insurance. You know, why are we being slapped with a $76,000 hospital bill? Well, we come to find out her insurance was so tiny that her insurance only covered up to $5,000. So whatever it is that we were in the hospital for, it was only going to cover up to $5,000. We were left with the rest, okay? Do not recommend that insurance, by the way. So... We did not know what to do. We, in fact, we kind of looked at each other, and, and to be honest with you, we, we felt sick to our stomach because we can't believe that we're starting out our lives together. We're starting out being parents and all these things slapped with a $76,000 you know, hospital bill. We really thought this was it for us, that this was going to sink us. And, and to be honest with you, we knew there was nobody that we could turn to at the time and said, could you help us with this? It was going to be impossible. There was only one person that we could go to, and we, we prayed about it. We said, okay, God, we believe in you. We believe in your provision for us. And so we're asking that you would help us. 
Show us how, you know, how we're going to get around this. And to be honest with you, we really thought what was going to happen is that we were going to call the, you know, call the hospital and say, okay, how do we start making payments that we were going to owe for eternity, you know, which it felt like at the time. So I, you know, call up the hospital and, and, and they immediately send you to that department, the, you know, the, the lady who handles all the finances and, you know, and bills and all that stuff. And so I start communicating with her and I say, so we got a bill in the mail for $76,000. And she said, what? You got a bill from the hospital for seven? I said, yes. She goes, well, let me look at your insurance. So, so she pulls up our file and she looks at her insurance. She says, oh my gosh, this is awful. This is terrible. I said, let me just tell you, we're, we're new parents. This is, this is our first time. We, you know, we do not know. What do we do? She says, okay. She says, give me some time. And she said, I will call you tomorrow. I, we'll see what, what we can do. So we waited. We, we, the next day, we, I, I call her back promptly. And, and by the way, that, that sick feeling in my gut never went away. I, we were, Sheila and I were planning on, you know, what we were going to start having to sell and, you know, what we were going to start having to do and, you know, what more jobs were we going to have to I mean, you know, do you start planning in your own head, right, of, of how you're going to try to fix this? So we call up the lady and she says, okay, if you can be here at the, at the hospital by Friday with a $500 check, she goes, I'll, you know, we'll see what we can do. Do you think you could do that? And we said, okay, sure. I, I think you know, we can scrounge up $500 and, and we'll be there on Friday. This was Wednesday. So Friday we drive down and we've got Bella in the little carrying thing. And here we are, you know, we must have looked like kids ourselves. We're walking into the hospital, and, and we sit with this late lady, and she says, do you, do you have the check? And we said, sure, here's $500. And she uh, prints us off a receipt, and the receipt says, balance $0. She said, look, she said, I thought about you guys, and I looked at your insurance, and I realized that, you know, that this was just cruel, you know, that nobody should have to pay, you know, $76,000 to, you know, have a baby, and especially it's your first one and all that stuff. She said, the hospital has, you know, money. And she goes, and there's things that we can do. And she goes, I have that authority. And she says, there's, you know, there's money allotted to help people. And she says, we're going to help you. And they paid our bill. All we owed was $500. At that moment, I instantly realized that God is a God who provides, that he's a God who cares about us and cares what we are going through, you know, that he wasn't going to leave us, you know, you know hanging out to dry, that he, that he really cared about what we were going through and he really saw our, our situation. And, and I realized in that moment that, that God wasn't a distant God, that he was a God that was right with us, that he was a God that was watching what we were going through and that was with us in, in those circumstances. I want to look at a story in the Bible, and it's, it's in Luke chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you don't, I have the, the scripture verse up here. I'm going to read it out of the New Living uh, Translation. It's just a kind of an easy read. But this story is about Jesus performing a miracle and, and providing. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. 
for the fishermen and left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, by the way, this is Peter, uh, but his name wasn't uh, Peter yet, he's still Simon. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. You see, Jesus is, is you know, standing kind of on the, the shore and, and crowds are just coming. They would follow him every time that Jesus would come and he would speak and he would preach uh, you know, there was something powerful about what he had to say. There was something that resonated inside of people that it would just draw a crowd. And, and he wanted to get kind of to a place where everybody can see and hear him. So he, he steps into this boat of Simon Peter's and he, and he says, hey, could you push it out a little bit so that, you know, people can see me and they can hear me. So he's standing, he's, he's preaching in the boat. When he had finished speaking... He said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets go down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners uh, in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I am too much a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, and the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. You see, to understand God's love for us, he sent Jesus in the flesh to to show his love. See, Simon had already met Jesus. God, God had already kind of, you know, started calling out the disciples, but, but they went back to work, right? They, they realized that they still needed to, to make a living. You know, they just weren't going to leave everything quite yet and, and follow after Jesus. Jesus understood that, you know, these guys needed to make a living, and he wanted to show them, listen, I'm not just the God of of, of, you know, the physical body, you know, when he was, he was healing people already. I'm not just a God over, you know, the spiritual things. He was driving out demons from people, which Simon would have seen him doing. But he, Jesus wanted to prove that, listen, I am the God of your everyday life. I am the God of your needs. I, I, I understand and I see, you know, what it is that you're going through and how hard that you are working. And, and I want you to know that I, I am the God of your today. I'm the God of what you are going through right now and what your needs are right now. God cares about the little things, you guys. God cares about the little things. This was just fish, right? This wasn't healing someone, you know, this wasn't raising someone from the dead. He just made more fish appear. It's still a miracle in and of itself, but it shows Jesus's, you know, intent that, Simon, I care about you. I care about your livelihood. I want to bless you. See, God isn't just a God that you know, that kind of drops little nuggets sometimes. He's the God that wants to overwhelmingly bless you. And he shows it here. 
Jesus has authority over every aspect of our lives, spiritually, physically, and even economically. Luke 12, 29 says this, and these are also Jesus' words. And don't be concerned about, about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Verse 31, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Other versions, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. So verse 32, so don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Listen, God may be the God of your heart. He may be uh, the God of your physical body. He may be the God of your home. But is he the God of your bank account? Is he the God of, uh, of your job, of, of, your, uh, you know, of what you do? Is, is he the God of your business? Is he the God of your education? Why is it that we bring God into certain areas of our life? And by the way, I am terrible at this. I will have faith in one area of my life, but then come another area and I fall apart, right? I'll believe God over here. Oh, God's going to do an amazing thing. You know, someone will come to me and say, will you pray for me? Oh, God's going to, you know, perform a miracle in your life. He's going to answer your needs. And then I'll go home and my wife will say, Matt, there's no, no more money in the bank account. And I'll flip out. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? When just 15 minutes at church, I had abundance of faith for somebody else. Does that sound familiar? Listen, if we believe that God is the God who heals, if we believe that he's the God who raised people from the dead, why can we not believe that he's the God that will provide your every need? And, and we're people who are constantly uh, fearful. We're constantly worried. Oh my gosh, I don't think we're going to make it this month. How many of you have said that before? I don't think we're going to make it. Right? You're still here. Right? I'm still here. I still have clothes on my back. I'm still feeding myself. Right? And yet we still freak out when the, you know, the bank account draws lower. We still freak out when something stirs at our jobs. By the way, I have lost my job before. I was in sales and and during the, the kind of the you know, crash of 2008 when the market completely, I completely lost my job, our livelihood. I've panicked. But you know what? For a year and a half, God sustained us. God sustained my wife and I. He took care of us. And he has continued to take care of us. He has never, ever, ever let us down. Amen. The, inter the interaction between Jesus and Peter tells us how much God cares about our day-to-day -day lives, about the, the little things, and, and how much that he wants to be a part. And so I want to kind of break down this story for you because I'm hopefully you're going to kind of see you know, our reflection in it and how, how we sometimes interact with God, but, but it, what his intentions are. So first, in verse 4, we have the command of Jesus, right? We have Jesus' command in verse 4. He says, listen, Simon, go out and cast your nets again. Go out a little deeper and throw your nets out. And what does Simon do? He does what every single one of us would do. 
God, wait a minute, I don't think you understand the situation. Excuse me? You are questioning the creator? You are questioning the one who, who started this whole thing? You are questioning the, the only one that can provide for you? And you're saying, excuse me, we already did that. Well, go do it again, right? Go do it again because I know something you don't know. And of course, secondly, in verse 5, we see Simon Peter's doubt, which arises in all of us. Doubt always, fear, worry, doubt always seems to kind of boil up inside of us when, when things look grim, when, when, when things dry out, when, when things look bad. We instantly, our minds go to the worst. And, and, and so did Peter's. So did Peter's. He was human. Jesus, we already did that. Despite his doubt, despite his, you know, his fear, despite his questioning, God still performed the miracle. Verse 6, we see the miracle. We see God's provision. We see that not only did he just provide some fish, some fish would have been, you know, acceptable, but he provided an abundance. In fact, they had to go get the second boat. And even for the second boat, it was overwhelmingly, you know, abundant. They were freaking out. And the minute Simon sees this, and by the way, this is critical, you guys. This is something our culture is losing, but is something and is so important to understand. Simon Peter immediately recognizes his humanness. He immediately recognizes his sin. You see, fear and doubt and worry, you guys, those are, those are sins, right? Because those say, God, I don't trust you. I can do it on my own power. That's arrogance, right? You may not think it is, but when I, can, when I say I'm going to try to fix this myself, that is arrogant. That is prideful. And immediately Simon Peter said, I am a sinner. Jesus, get, you know, flee from here. Get away from me. And of course, you know, Jesus doesn't flee from him. He forgives him. But it is essential, you guys, to understand and to see. We need to take note in those moments. And by the way, not to make you feel bad, because look at Simon. I mean, even Simon, the great Peter, even doubted God. But what Jesus does next, in verse 11, Jesus restores him, and then he calls him. He calls him. He says, you know what, Peter? Not only, you know, are you going to fish for fish, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You see, at this moment, Peter got it. He realized, okay, I can lay it all down for God. I can completely put 100% trust in God, and he is going to take care of me. By the way, from this moment, this is when Peter walked away from it. This is when Peter said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you fully. I'm going to go wherever you go. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to do this thing. And God has provided for him every step of the way. We need to turn our fear and our doubt into trust and obedience. We need to turn our fear and our doubt into trust and obedience. I would say this. 
Don't get in God's way. Let God be God, especially if he's, you know, promised you something, especially if he's given you a command, don't question it, but do it. Four truths about God's provision. Four truths about God's provision. The first one is, all good things come from God. All good things come from God. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You may think you're working hard, right? You wake up in the morning and you go to your job or you do what you do or, or, or you know, even if you're a, a, a stay-at-home mom, but you may think that, look at all that we, what I'm doing. I'm working hard, right? But really, it's... God is the one that's really providing your every need, no matter how hard you work. You, you really can't, you know, you, you could do all that you can do. Life is still going to come at you, right? The ups, the downs, the, the dry times, the abundant times. But there is one thing that will always be constant, and that is God. And, and everything, every good thing comes from him, So if you are in need right now, if you are in lack right now, if you are in want right now, every good thing comes from God. If you are trying to do it on your own, you will not succeed. The second thing, second truth about God's provision, God will always provide what we need. It's in his nature. The the Old Testament even referred to him as as, as, you know, Jehovah Jireh, you know, the God who provides. You know, Yahweh, you know, Jireh, the God who provides. It is in his nature. Do you understand? It is who he is. It's not something he debates when he thinks about you. It's not something, eh, I don't know. I'm not feeling it today. I don't have it today. You know what I mean? That's not who he is. He is the God who wants to give to you. He's the God that wants to, to provide for you. Jesus even taught in Matthew 6, 11 that we should even pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus was even understanding that every day we should be saying, God, this is what we need. Provide for what we need. Jesus wouldn't have us pray for it if he knew that God wasn't the God who would answer that prayer. Do you understand? Jesus, who was God himself, would not have taught us in that prayer to say, give me this day my daily bread. It should become something that we all say, God, what is it that I need today? Give me what I need for today. Should be our daily prayer. God, what do I need? Not what do I want, right? What do I want is completely different, but what do I need? God will meet you at your need. He will always meet you at your need. The third thing is don't be afraid to ask. John 14, 13, you can ask for anything in my name, Jesus says, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. When when Sheila and I had nobody else to turn to, there was no grandparent that was going to sign and and give us a $76,000 check. There just wasn't anybody, no parent, no grandparent, no friend at that moment. There was only one person that we can turn to, and we did, and we asked. I'm going to be honest with you. I was not sure. 
I didn't necessarily go into it with this 100% abundant faith that, oh, God's going to take care of it, Sheila, don't worry about it. I was freaked out. I was scared. I really was. I really started in my mind going to these awful places that we were going to be living in our car and, you know what I mean, that it was going to be awful. But don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. What is it that you need? What is it that you need right now? Do not be afraid to ask the one, the only one who can supply your every need. The only one that wants to give you what you need. And lastly, we need to understand that Jesus was the ultimate provision. That simply Jesus coming in in, in the flesh was the ultimate form of provision. You see, we all, the, the Bible says that all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God, right? And the payment for sin, you know, the wages of sin is what? The payment for sin is what? Death. All of us had a debt. Every single one of us had a debt, and that was death. Because of sin, we were all born into it. None of us were able to skirt around it. And God knew this. So God provided a way for you to pay that debt. God knew that you were slapped with a $76,000 hospital bill that you could not pay. And he knew that. And he said, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to pay that debt in the form of Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is believe in him. All you have to do is proclaim that that he is your God. All you have to do is confess your sins and and, and understand who you are and who he is. And that debt will be wiped clean. Paid for. Paid in full. First John 2.2. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. I want to leave you with this, this last thought, this last point. When you are struggling with fear, with doubt, with worry, with anxiety, the weapon to combat those things is thankfulness. The weapon to combat fear, anxiety, all those things, and by the way, I, sh- I struggle with them too. I-, I-, I am not at all saying that-, that I have got that thing licked. There will probably be something this week that will arise that will test that in me, right? But you know something I do when I start going down that dark road of fear and, and-, and oh my gosh, we're going to live in our car again? I start reminding myself what God has already done for me. I remind myself of the $76,000 bill. I remind myself that God has blessed me, that God continues to take care of me, that even when I lost my job, that he provided for me, that God has never, ever let me down. I have never, ever been on the street with my wife and my two daughters begging for food. That has never, ever happened. Why would I think that he would start now? Why would I think that after all this time in my life that he would somehow ignore me and let me, you know, leave me to myself? He never will. When you are going down that road in your head and you, that, you feel it, you feel that anxiety start to well up in you, start reminding yourself, start being thankful for the things that God has already done for you, has already provided for you. 
that you have a roof over your head, that you had food on your table. He cares about the little things, right? He cares. Consider the lilies of the field, the Bible says. Consider the birds of the air, that if God would, would even be, you know, would, would take notice of, of a bird that, you know, that would fall from the sky, how, how much more does he care about you? How much more does he care about your circumstance, what your needs are, what you are going through right now? God is the God who provides. God will provide your needs. Like, I love, and by the way, Rod and I did not talk this morning. Right? I didn't tell Rod what my sermon was or, any, or anything like that. But Rod said this morning that, you know, that was tested. That God had promised him something and he didn't see it happen right away. And he didn't see it uh, 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 manifest, you know, like how he thought it would go down. But then in God's perfect timing, God answered Rod's prayer. That is how God operates. He's never early, he's never late, but he's always right on time. Trust in that. Trust in that. Work that muscle out of trust. Work that muscle out. I don't know why I'm pointing to me. There's nothing up here. I need like Ephraim up here or something to show some muscles. Yeah. Work, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jess. Work that muscle out of trust. Work that muscle out of thankfulness. And the next time that you're in that situation where you want to panic about what's going on in life, God will meet you in that moment. Amen. Amen. Can I, can I pray with you guys? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for your provision. Lord, that you care about everything that is going on in our lives. Lord, not just the big things, Lord. Not just the big miracles we think someone being raised from the dead. But Lord, you care about the little things. You care about our businesses. You care about our jobs. Lord, you, you, you care about, uh, Lord, us as parents and what we're going through as moms and dads. Lord, you, you care about us as, as those who are, 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 you know, trying to get an education. Lord, you care about us, Lord, who are, are going out there and doing the daily grind, Lord God. You care. You are with us. You are with us at our jobs. You are with us at our schools. You are with us in our homes. Lord, help us to strengthen our faith. Help us to trust in you. Lord, help us to be obedient to what your word says. And Lord, I love it. Even in Simon Peter's doubt, Lord God, you still performed a miracle. So Lord, even in our doubt sometimes, would you still perform that miracle? Would you still bless us abundantly? Listen, anxiety is a, a, is a real thing. I, I hope that you weren't misunderstanding me and saying that I, you know, was trying to pass it off as anxiety is something that I believe every single one of us battle with in here on some level. But God has given you weapons to combat it. 
And we need to use those weapons. God has given you things to combat fear. Like the word of God. Trust and thankfulness. We need to use those things. We need to apply those things to our lives. I feel like that there's someone in here and you are at that, (laughs) your limit. You are at your breaking point. In fact, you probably even said in your head, I I don't know if I can continue on. First, I want you to know that God sees you. God has heard your cries. And if you trust in him, and if you are patient, you will see God perform a miracle. You will see God answer your prayer in his timing, in his perfect timing. I feel like there's some of you in here, you are afraid to ask because you would say to yourself, who am I to even ask for this thing? Or maybe you've said, oh, this is just too small. It's not, it's not, God's not gonna care about this thing. If you've ever said that to yourself, that God doesn't care about this thing, I want you to know right now God does care about it. He cares an awful lot about it because he cares for you because he loves you, because he wants to provide for you. So if that is you, if you've said those words, that you're like, I I don't even know that I can ask for this thing. God is telling you right now, ask me, ask me. What is it that you need? Ask me. Do not be afraid to ask me. Do not be afraid to trust in me. You're worried that you're gonna be let down, but I will not let you down. I promise that. Ask me. Don't be afraid to ask him right now. I know something's popped in your head. I know there's something you've kind of been afraid to ask God for. Ask him right now because he's listening, because he cares, because he wants to meet you right where you're at. Jesus says, ask anything in my name, anything. This is what it is like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what it is like to walk with him. It means to trust him. It means to let him provide for us. It means to believe. It means to understand that He cares about every single thing that's going on in your life, in our lives. And he is the only one that can provide your every need. I feel like that there's someone who, who just said, no, I got something big. There's something I want to ask for, but it's big. I'm not even sure. That's how big it is. This one might be too big for God. This one, definitely too big for me. 
I felt like the Lord impressed upon me that he says, I'm going to answer that prayer. If you just said that in the last few minutes, if you just said, no, I got a big one, there's no way. I'm not even sure. God's going to say, you know what, even beyond our own doubts, your own fear about it, God says, I'm going to answer that for you. I'm going to answer that for you. I'm going to provide. I'm going to work that miracle that you're asking for. 